Where does Nick Claxton rank among the NBA centers going into this season? It's an important question to know for the trajectory of this guy as a player, where the Nets are going to view him long term, and just where he stacks up against the rest of the NBA at the position. We're going to get into all that and more, but first, the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day, even rolling through this offseason. I am Doug Norrie, the owner-operator of DailyFantasySportsRankings.com, DFSR.com for short. If you need projections for FanDuel or DraftKings, we've got you covered rolling in to NFL season, NBA season, seemingly right around the corner as well. So go check out DFSR.com. Got you covered there. No Adam Armbrecht. On the podcast today as we roll through our summer schedule. Thanks for making Locked On Nets your first listen of the day each and every day. We're coming to you free on all platforms, podcast and YouTube. The number one way to help the show. Just go subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you listen, wherever you watch on YouTube, which is only one device. Probably thanks for making Locked On Nets your first listen of the day. Much appreciated. Going to talk about Nick Claxton today. And as we get into the season, you know, there's going to be eyes for the eyes on certain players in the Nets this season. There's going to be eyes on Mikhail Bridges. We talked about him at length yesterday. There's going to be eyes on Cam Johnson. We talked about him at length and we'll talk about him more. And there's other guys that are coming into the season with things that are varying levels of having to prove something or, you know, can we see if the game can expand? Can we see if guys can just recover in general, a la Ben Simmons? So there's a lot of different narratives going um, on with the Nets on a player level this season, for sure. And to some degree, it doesn't seem like that would be the case with Claxton, but I, that would probably be wrong. I, like, there's a lot going on for Claxton going into this, Nick Claxton going into this season that sort of has to, in some ways, be ironed out, has to be solidified, and has to be sort of a known idea about what he is as a player leaving this season obviously because at the end of the season he's going to be a free agent he's on the 9.6 million dollar deal right now and then after this he's going to be an unrestricted free agent and the nets are going to have to make a, a pretty big decision on the money aspect of him going forward and he's going to i'll tell you right now no matter what conclusion we come to over the course of this podcast or the course of the season, he's going to be making a heck of a lot more than $9.6 million going into next season. I think that short of just like some kind of major injury or something like that, I think just off what he did last year, we can safely call that, right? Like we, we pretty much know that the num that number, the nets have him on not a bargain basement deal, but a really, really nice bargain deal. Uh, just because of how he performed last year, which was uh, way past any even reasonable expectations, I think, about what, you know, even the the most Nick Claxton, you know, stand in the world, the biggest Nick Claxton fan um, or, you know, lover or whatever it is, is probably saw last season even as something as an outlier, even for even if you were on the really, really positive side uh, of his performance going into last season, because he was amazing. We'll go through some of the stats here in a second, and ultimately we'll try to figure out sort of like where he ranks in the tiers of NBA centers. It's a really interesting debate thinking about 
where, you know, is he a top 10 center? Is he a top high, like eight center? Like it's sometimes it's hard to kind of flush these things out because as we get to sort of these true positions, I think center is one of those in the NBA. I think there's a pretty definitive list of like who these guys are. There's a couple guys that kind of waffle in between the four and the five a little bit. But for the most part, I think we know who these guys are. And, and it's like interesting to try to think about where Nick Claxton stands among this group and it probably to some degree comes down to taste after a certain group of guys comes down to sort of what you value the most in a center um, which is going to be something that we'll talk about here around like what he does really well and aspects of his game that maybe could stand for a little bit improvement if he was going to be taking the, the next leap but there's no doubt about it that last year was was nothing short of a breakout season for Claxton when it was all said and done the, the numbers don't really lie about this uh, if anything there's numbers that will put will are sometimes like sort of eye popping even when you go and reflect on them again which I did over over today and in preparation for this episode was just sort of you know again get a lay of the land for where Nick Claxton is so if you're trying to make a case for him being like a top 10 center in the league let's say or higher I mean there's some numbers that really really start playing out in ways that I mean, you can really start making a very, very strong case for it. So as we go through this, you know, just remember that right now, Nick Claxton is heading into a season where not only does, does the, do the Nets probably need to try to figure out what their plan for him is going forward and how if he's going to be a long-term fit, but also the part where he's playing for a contract this season. Like he's going into the season playing to get really, really paid. I mean, he's already got paid a lot, you know, just by conventional standards on this last contract, but now he's on the precipice of like, re, of you know, life-changing, beyond life-changing money going into the next season because he's going probably going to command a huge, huge contract. So let's roll through some of the numbers that start to make like a pretty strong case. These uh, for where, like, or just like get a look at where Nick Claxton ended last season i'll just go through so for starters he came he finished last season averaged 12.6 points a game uh 9.2 rebound all these are career highs by a ton right um a lot of this has to do with just like more playing time but even his per minute averages increase so 12.6 points per game 9.2 rebounds a game assists almost at two 1.9 2.5 blocks we're going to get the blocks in a second 0.9 steals those are all career highs for him over the course of the season, uh, 2.8 fouls turnovers went up a little bit. So every number for him, um, to some degree was volume based because he averaged almost 29.9. So 30 minutes a game and his the year before he had averaged 20.7 minutes a game. So like the, the, the minutes alone took like a 50% jump just season over season. So any, any player in the league that gets that kind of just um, that kind of jump is just going to see an increase in just the overall raw numbers. It's just like, there's no way around that you're just on the court more. You can end up performing more. But when we look at where he landed in terms of just like overall rank, I mean, we're kind of away from this now. So it was easy to forget. Let me just roll through and we'll get to some advanced stats here in a second too, but just like baseline where he landed in t- when the season was over in terms of just r- overall ranks. Now he did play in 76 games. It's a lot by conventional standards. So some of these counting stats are, he is going to be helped uh, where that's the case, but total rebounds, he was 12th in the league. All right. Uh, offensive rebounds. He was 20th defensive rebounds. He was 12th. These were overall numbers blocks. He was second blocks per game. He was second field goal percentage first two point field goal percentage first effective field goal percentage. First, true shooting percentage, 
second behind only Nicole, Nicole Jokic. Um, I think that was, oh no, I get a couple more here. Uh, win shares, which are, they definitely favor centers um, in this a little bit more uh, just by the way it's calculated. So he ends up ninth in overall win shares, defensive win shares. He ends up fourth and def- uh, win shares uh, per 48. He ends up 15th defensive block box plus minus. He's seventh uh, offensive rating, ninth defensive rating six. So when you roll through the overall, just like ranks where he ranked among some of these dudes, I, I mean, that tells you a really interesting story about just like where he is in the overall NBA landscape. And I think actually, if you didn't watch a lot of the Nets or if you just didn't follow it, if you follow fantasy basketball, you definitely realized it. But um, if you weren't like following these things and you're kind of just comparing them to your favorite player, that those numbers probably are surprising to you. Like these ranks are ridiculous. They're ridiculously high in, in a good way. And he was just ranked among the best players in the league in really meaningful statistical categories. So just from that aspect, I think there's probably a feeling, especially among like the general populace around Nick Claxton, that he's still very underrated. I'm going to get to where some uh, industry experts sort of rank him. Want to talk about where he ranks sort of just on the offensive defensive spectrum. We'll go through uh, a little bit of that in a second too, to show you that, you know, you know, is he, is he top 20? I mean, he's easily top 20 guys. Like, cause I was threw it out there about where he overall ranked and Some people said like top 25 centers in the league, which is basically just wrong. So I want to talk about that and want to talk about just sort of some of the numbers that are going to help land you on a really, really pro Nick Claxton um, campaign here as we go into the season. We'll get into that next. First, I'll tell you about our friends over on FanDuel. Getting ready for the NFL season. FanDuel's got some incredible offers. It's America's number one sports book right now. Hold on to your seats for this one. Right now, new customers, you can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guarantees. You're thinking to yourself, okay, well, there's a lot of offers out there. You know, $5 bonus bets. I use the By the way, use those bonus bets for everything FanDuel has up there, like the money line. You want to get into player props getting into this NFL season. You'll spend, you can spend forever just wading through all the different awesome player props they have. So that's one. $5, you get $200 back in bonus bets. Plus, all new customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So rewind here. $5. That's going to get you $200 in bonus bets. It's also going to get you $100 off for the Sunday ticket, so you're sweating those bets all season long. It's the best time to join FanDuel. The app's easy to use. You can bet on everything from the spreads, the player props, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so talking about where Nick Claxton ranks in terms of the overall centers, uh, I just rolled through some of those numbers um, that just really paint a very, very rosy picture of his overall impact, both on sort of on the offensive end, just as a play finisher with the field goal percentage and, and true shooting and whatnot. Now, look, a lot of those are dunks around the rim. He's getting some of the easiest shots. But if you watch a lot of Nets games this year, you did notice that his finishing around the rim wasn't just of the dunk variety. He really displayed a much softer touch around the rim. Um, He definitely got into his bag working uh, just with more of an array of moves than just, you know, getting up on lobs or getting put back dunks. There was a part of his game that really started to expand with a touch around the rim. I think that did end up playing 
a big part of like where that field goal and true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage was because it wasn't just dunks. I mean, we're not talking just the old DeAndre or Jordan style of leading the league in these numbers because it's all just dunks, right? It definitely was not the case like that for Claxton last season, which is a good sign uh, when you talk about sort of the maturity of his game and where his game can grow to. And if you've been watching offseason stuff, you've been seeing him working on the three-pointer, uh, working on just some of the overall shooting. I don't know if that part is ever going to expand into his game and become a part of it. Obviously, if it did, uh, we'd be talking about him on a whole other level, but we can't really talk about that now because we haven't. it hasn't really been part of his overall game. But if you look at like around the rest of the NBA and where some of the other sort of experts around the league rank, some people have been begun putting out their overall, you know, top 100, top 150 players in the league. Everyone has a different methodology for this. It's uh, you know, some of this is stat based, some of it's feel. It really depends who you listen who you listen to and 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 who ends up like what their overall process is. Matt Moore, who great host of Locked On Nuggets, also great uh does great great work over on Action Network, did put together his top 100 players in the league. Uh, was really high in Cam Johnson, which we're going to talk about that uh, in another episode. He ends up having Nick Claxton 51st overall in the NBA. Um, and, you know, that's in the same group as uh, Vooch. He has him at 49. Franz Wagner is at 50. Behind him, uh, Paul Bancaro is 52. Derek White, just giving you a sort of a look at who some of the other guys that he has, he has Claxton in front of Draymond Green, um, in front of OG Ananobi, in front of Miles Turner, which is interesting because now we're talking center to center. Um, the guys, the centers that he had above uh, Nick Claxton, some of the ones are obvious, like Jokic, Embiid, uh, Anthony Davis. We're going to call him a full-time center here because that's basically who he's playing for the uh, for the Lakers. Uh, Sabonis he's got in there, uh, Bam Adebayo, Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. We could go back and forth about where he lands is he really a center or a four? They kind of mix and match depending on where they have Steven Adams in the lineup. Brooke Lopez, Carl Anthony Towns, Jared Allen, uh, Nicole Vucevic, and, and then Nick Claxton. So in that one, Nick Claxton ends up as the 11th overall center. I thought that list was like pretty fair o- overall. I probably I think about maybe putting it in front of Vuce just to, if you value the defensive piece. And this is where it gets really interesting about debating sort of overall ranks. And by the way, if you – disagree with some of these things like feel free to go make your own top 100 list right like um because you're gonna see that when you really get into the weeds on this stuff you got to start thinking about well you're gonna value the offensive game which is a much much better offensive player and nick laxton's a much much better defensive player uh as we sort of like toggle the knobs and try to figure out which one of those things ends up being the most important it it can be tough right so and some of that's going to be in the eye of the beholder right it's going to be well you just value this you maybe aesthetically you like what one guy does and maybe it's going to matter a little bit more what's around them to extract their full value for guys like Jokic, for guys like Embiid, for guys like anthony davis probably that stuff doesn't matter as much right and then you get into the next group so bonus bam uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Jaron Jackson Jr. out of this group and just make him a four. And then like Brooke Lopez, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna depend a little bit more around where like who some of the other guys that are are helping him. Good news for Claxton, a lot of the numbers stayed relatively the same pre KD and Kyrie and post KD and Kyrie in terms of his efficiency and what he was doing on the court. Good sign for him, by the way, means that he's not going to be super dependent on having a guy like Harden get him the ball all the time or needing to just have other guys taking tons of uh, pressure off him around, around the rim or around the offensive end. And then if you like, if you, you know, another guy that's done, done a lot of work on this Seth part now over at the athletic, he t- puts his more guys more in tiers 
and these tiers. So it's like not a straight up ranking. It's more like we're going to, I mean, he does rank them, but he has the guys that end up in, in tiers. He has t- uh, Claxton as a tier four player. He puts them in the B plus bigs category. The other guys that he puts in that category, similar to the list we saw before, Brooke Lopez, Miles Turner's in this group, Jared Allen, Carl Anthony Towns. So he actually explicitly just makes this list of what he calls B, B plus bigs and then goes through sort of like the give and take with all of those guys, right? Like, well, Brooke Lopez can do, you know, shoots the corner three really well, obviously a great rim, rim protector. Um, maybe doesn't have some like the switchability that Nick Claxton has. Cause we're Claxton's one of the all you know, best switch defenders and just best switch defenders in all of basketball. He doesn't have that. Like miles Turner again, like maybe more range, great shot blocker. Maybe doesn't have that switchability or athleticism. Jared Allen, you know, we know with kind of the positives and minus in his game. And then Carl Anthony Towns, like totally on the other side of it, right? No defense. Um, and, but just sort of like, I don't not generationally great at offense, but really, really good on offense. So his game goes the other way, which makes you in a weird situation. It's like, well, what do you value over those guys? Who do you want on your team? Sometimes, again, that's going to depend on where your team just like sort of is right. Like, or who the rest of your personnel are and whether or not you can play some of these guys together. Center's a weird position in the NBA. It is very uh, personnel dependent for some of these guys at times. Like it really, really depends on who else they're playing with to see if they're able to sort of just last on the court or stick around or play enough minutes. And can they, other players cover the fact that these guys are, you know, sometimes they're, a bit stationary and need to be under the rim. So Nick Claxton definitely falls into that group. I think I agree with where those tiers end up landing or that group that he's in and around. It might, by the way, it might sound weird to like have him ranked in the same group as Carl Anthony towns because Carl Anthony towns is like amazing on offense. (laughs) And, And we know this, right? Like, and so to the untrained ear, you might hear, you might say, some people might say, wait a second, you're putting Nick Claxton in the same group as Carl Anthony Towns, who is, you know, has averaged like 26, 25 points a game at times, has shot like over 40% from three. I mean, these numbers all dipped down last year, but this guy's put on, you know, amazing, amazing statistical seasons. But we know what the detractors uh, around Carl Anthony Towns are going to say. Well, the defense isn't there. There's like massive lapses for him. And now he's in year, what's he in? So this is like, he's in year eight and like, what do we really have to show for the Carl Anthony Towns experience, except for a lot of numbers? I, that's I'm, I'm giving you the devil's advocate side of that, but I'm trying to explain about why you might see some of these guys, like why Parnell might put Towns in the same group. Uh, and just as a um, as a comparison here, Matt Moore put Carl Anthony Towns at 47 uh, with Claxton at 51, so he basically has them in the same tier as well. So two independent guys are putting these guys in the same tier. Whereas I know that maybe the average fan might go out there and be like, oh my God, Carl Anthony Towns is so much, so much higher uh, than Nick Claxton. And again, like some of that comes down to personal preference. But it is interesting when you start looking and trying to compare where these guys are against each other, it does really get interesting, like trying to figure out and flesh out where exactly the value is. I want to go through a couple more cool stats, uh, thanks to our friends over at B Ball Index, because they have a really cool. Um, just way to start visualizing uh, how some of the value uh, or how some of these centers might stack up against each other. We'll try to make a determination on where Nick Claxton is. We'll get to that here in a second. 
All right, uh, good friends over here at B-Ball Index have, uh, they do some really great scatter plotting around just like sort of um, visualizing where different players, where different players are like sort of comparatively to each other. So uh, some of this stuff is behind a subscription wall, so apologies for that. Um, but if you scatter plot, so basically what that you can do over here is you can look at just where players compare against each other by position. So if I filter out a B-ball index for center and then just have, and then one of their proprietary stats that they use um, just to like, it's sort of a catch-all stat, like, like, you know, war Raptor, they have a LeBron stat that they use um, and they have offensive and defensive LeBron to kind of end up showing you where some of these guys land as yeah, like a sort of a holistic stat that, that helps drill down some of it. So if you scatter plot out where, uh, Offensive LeBron and defensive LeBron. You'll see like things will kind of take shape for you in a way that you could uh, really see like Jokic is light years beyond everybody else on offense and like good enough on defense. So he kind of sits in his own tier. Joel Embiid sort of also like sits with it by himself in the next tier down on offense and is in a better than Jokic on defense. So you can see these guys. And then Anthony Davis sort of sits in his own group too, much better on defense and really, really good on offense. And then you get these two groups. You get these two groups where you'll see like sort of the, the guys who are like elite defensive centers who also aren't drags on offense. And then you get like the, sort of the elite offensive guys who aren't terrible on defense, but maybe not huge pluses. And you probably could actually end up making this list in your head of who I'm about to say. So the group of offensive guys, um, that's going to be Demona Simonis and Kristaps Porzingis sit in that group. Uh, and that makes sense, right? We know Sabonis to be sort of an offensive first, maybe not, you know, not an amazing rim protector or anything like that. And then Porzingis, who ranks better than him uh, defensively, but worse on offense. And that makes sense that those guys sort of sit in this group together. And then we have this elite defensive group. And these, this group sits totally away from everybody else in terms of defensive value. And two of them, well, three of them uh, sit above average in terms of offense. And that group is Nick Claxton. Walker Kessler, Brooke Lopez, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Okay, so that's that three group in, uh, in terms of defensive LeBron, and I think that makes sense when you're sort of like sort of thinking about these guys as groups and like where they sit together. And then what you're trying to do is figure out, okay, now that we've established these this group of centers as maybe like the elite or like the top ten tier, with a couple other guys who are in there, but maybe by this one step don't rank as high guys like Bama Bam out of bio. I think we would all take Bam out of bio over Nicholas, uh, Nick Claxton. So I don't think that's really a debate. And then there's like some other guys, like, like we mentioned before, uh, uh, Vooch is in there. Uh, miles Turner. I think that's another guy that you can kind of go back and forth. Our Jer Jared Allen, they sit sort of more in the group together, but when you look at this plot and how it's laid out, you do start getting the sense of really like, Hey, even if you don't love Nick Claxton's game, and even if you don't think, He's among this elite tier. There's like a lot of metrics that are going to show you. I need to start thinking about him in the top 10 center category. Now, again, it's not going to be a lot because he's like an offensive, you know, initiator. It's not going to, he's not defenses aren't planning for Nick Claxton over the way they are for some of these other sort of like top 10, like, you know, elite centers, but he's impacting the game in a way that few other guys do, right? And especially when you are elite at one aspect of the game, when you are completely elite at one aspect of the game, that doesn't 
like you can't get dragged too much down by the offensive stuff, right? This is like they're always the Rudy Gobert debate for years. It's like, well, he's great on defense. He doesn't do tons if you're on offense. Is he a winning player? Yeah, <laughs> like no one would really debate that, I don't think. Now, you know, you're going to have some problems at the tippy top of the mountain when it comes to overall winning. But what, but the debate about whether or not these guys like should be an elite class as a player, that really shouldn't be under the microscope, really. And if anything, we all know that offensive stuff tends to probably be more valued than defensive stuff, which makes sense. Look, the goal is to put the ball in the basket. And like that does end up mattering more in the overall scheme of things. But sometimes what happens is that the defensive stuff doesn't get full, like doesn't get full run in terms of like in the debate. And I think actually that's where Claxton ends up becoming part of like a a casualty of this almost, because when I put it out there just to the general public asking where they thought Claxton was, I mean, some people had him. I mean, some people went crazy like top four, but I think, Maybe that was joking, but some people had him really low and they put people like that just didn't deserve to be above him in the group just because I think it's like a little flashier on offense, but there's really just no, no way around it by a ton of different metrics and a bunch of different, just like independent evaluators. Claxton is like in this group of top 10 or get, or right there in this top 10 group of centers. And it's, and, you know, what's he worse than 12? I mean, you really can't put him worse than that at this point. And then if you're going to value the defense, you really have to start kind of ratcheting him up over some of these other guys, especially if you think like, hey, they're good on offense, but the offense isn't getting you all the way there in terms of like overall winning, winning basketball at the highest levels. Because then that becomes really problematic, too. If like the offense isn't good enough to make up for the lack of defense for some of these guys, then what does the offense really give you? So centers are really hard got, like group to evaluate. I think in the modern NBA, they're becoming increasingly sort of like a weird position. Obviously, we know this as the game gets stretched out, as three-point shooting becomes more, um, just more and more important. And you just have to have, you know, we're about to see Victor Wembanyama enter this group and he's going to probably be top. He's not, I didn't mention him before, but let's give him a season and he's going to be almost definitely above a lot of the other guys that we mentioned also. So there's going to be always this stuff in state of flux, but I think what Nets fans can um, just rest easy on right now is that Nick Claxton in, in my mind is very close to a top 10 center in the league. If not in that group right now, um, would love to hear what everyone thinks about that. I'd love to hear what you think about some of these stats or just sort of like what some, some of the tape has told you over the course of the couple seasons I think no matter what we're talking about, we'll go back to the top here is to say no matter how it ends the season, Nets are going to have a really interesting decision about what it is they want to end up paying Nick Claxton and what kind of contract he commands because no no matter where you debate it, just what I said at the beginning, what he gets paid now is under the market for what he actually does on the court. And for the Nets, at least for this season, that's a really, really good thing. We'll be back tomorrow. Going to break down some, um, break down some more, some of this ranking stuff, or where some of these other Nets guys rank on some of these lists. Because I think, especially around Cameron Johnson, there's some interesting stuff in there. In the meantime, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts over on uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen. But also make sure that you subscribe to Lockdown Nets over on YouTube because that is where we're going to be rolling all season long. We just end up doing some extra stuff on YouTube as well. So you're going to want to be subscribed over there to make sure you're not missing anything we always get to this part of the podcast where one mr adam armbrick gives us a quote from one of the all-time great poets i always forget until we get to this part of the podcast 
to have a quote ready. That's all right. We'll just say Adam Arbreck, one of the all-time great poets. I'm back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.